0: Welcome to the Kid Men Podcast with Dr. Val and Dr. Virginia, where we talk about everything Kid Men. And pull back the curtain
1: on some of the surprises and challenges in children's ministry that nobody prepares you for.
0: I'm Dr. Val, and together we have over 45 years of experience in children's ministry.
1: I'm Dr. Virginia. Valerie and I met over 10 years ago in our doctoral program at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We are excited to share with you all the great stuff that we have picked up over the years. We want to minister to you, the children's minister.
0: Welcome, friends. Thank you so much for joining Dr. Virginia and I today. Last week, we had a wonderful conversation starting all the topics for classroom management. (laughs) And we just enjoyed the conversation so much and got into so many details that it actually ended up being two episodes. Yes,
1: it definitely went a lot longer than we had planned or anticipated, but
0: we always think that we're going to know like the time we're going to have on (laughs) something. And this one just went way beyond what we were expecting. But we also thought that it would be good, helpful information for you. So we wanted to include everything. So today is part two of our discussion about basic classroom management.
1: Well, and that kind of leads us well into kind of our next thought, which is, having a strategy for responding to those big behaviors. Mm -hmm. And we've already touched on this, you know, sort of throughout um, about staying calm and not meeting anger with anger. Um, And this is one, this is not original to me. This um, comes from um, the Reach Hurting Kids Institute, their trauma-informed children's ministry training, which I absolutely love um, from Robert and Lori Crosby. We have a great interview with them from last season um and we can also link to their website um, in the notes as well um but this is a strategy from their resources that I think is just great which is calm care coach whenever we've got a kid who is having a big behavior whether it's a big outburst there they've thrown a chair they've yelled a curse word um, it's something that redirection and positive choices right. isn't gonna touch because right. it's it's bigger than that.
0: It's bigger than that.
1: Um, you know, our first response is to calm, help kids regain their calm, it's keep ourselves calm, right, and help kids regain their cool and their calm. Right. Because whenever they are in a heightened emotional state all that blood is rushing to the emotional centers of their brain right. and their prefrontal cortex, that logic and thinking part of their brain, which is under, it's not developed yet anyway.
0: Right. Right.
1: But what they have is going offline right. because their emotional state is heightened.
0: Mm-hmm. We've got
1: to help them come down from that. We to do. calm down for them to be able to hear us and process what we have to say and how mm-hmm. we want to coach them. Right. So, first, we have to help kids just calm down. Mm -hmm. That can be, you know, taking a walk. Now, we never want to be, you know, anywhere alone with children. Yeah. Right. You know, take a walk in the foyer where the desk workers are and do a couple laps, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, in a visible place. Um, Letting kids do an aerobic activity to Mm -hmm. kind of get out some frustration, get their heart rate up, and then come back down. Like doing some, burpees or jumping jacks or have that
0: dance break or yes. that Simon says game where you have them do yes. big motions and do things. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, Breathing exercises like cookie breathing, mm-hmm.
1: you know, where we have our imaginary cookie, we smell our cookie mm-hmm. for four seconds and we okay. blow our cookie off for four seconds. And so right. different strategies to help mm-hmm. kids calm down and come down from that heightened emotional state. So they're able to re-engage with us in a productive way.
0: Right. We have to realize that when we have children that have these big behaviors, these big reactions, and, and everyone has had those kids in classrooms and, and you mentioned some of the things like if they're throwing chairs, if they are, are bullying other kids, if they are starting a fight, if they are preschoolers who are biting, you know, those, those kind of big situations that, like you said, typically our usual classroom intervention is not going to serve well there. We do need to be aware that we possibly need that extra set of hands in mm-hmm. that classroom for that child mm-hmm. To have maybe some one-on-one time so that you have the ability to do those things that you were talking about. Because mm-hmm. if you do have that child walk down the hallway with you, there does still need to be two teachers in a classroom yes. that are with the other kids because the, yes. the learning for the other kids have to continue. Or you have to make sure if you have a preschooler who is biting, you have to do everything you can in your power to keep him from biting or from her from biting again. And so that means that that child may need some one on one time with a leader so that they are there and prepared to intervene if those mm-hmm. big actions are going to happen mm-hmm. during a class time. And I know that that's incredibly difficult and it's mm-hmm. really hard to say, oh, you need more volunteers. Mm-hmm. Yes. But the nice thing about these volunteers, and we've talked about this before we've mentioned these are the perfect responsibilities for say, maybe a, a youth helper or one of the deacons, because these can be people who don't have to prep the lesson. Right. They don't have to stand in front of the kids. They don't have to mm-hmm. do these big things, mm-hmm. but they are, they just to do the calm care and coaching. They're just there mm-hmm. for that particular child to mm-hmm. help make sure that all of the other children are safe while you help them realize that they are in a safe, very positive place.
1: Mm -hmm. And so after we have helped a child calm down their emotional state, Mm -hmm. um, then we want to care. And so this is the whole adage. They don't care what you know until they know that you care. Right. Um, We can empathize with children's emotions Mm -hmm. without affirming their behavior or their actions. Right. So we can talk about, man, you know, whenever you yelled that curse word at Miss Susie, man, like, what were you feeling? You must've been feeling very frustrated or angry or scared. Um, Helping them again, see that we see their emotion Right. Yeah. Um, and that we can empathize with their emotion and trying to get them to also see and recognize their emotions. Because even, you know, a lot of adults don't have good vocabulary surrounding their emotions, don't have um, don't always have a good skill set to identify what they're feeling and why they're feeling that way.
0: And so there's. um, We we don't. Cause I think about like sometime when you have been very upset by something and let's say that you become very emotional and you're crying and you're very upset. Have the phrases stop crying or calm down ever helped?
1: ever. Yeah, it it
0: doesn't, you know, we, we, (laughs) that's the first thing that we say. And that's usually what we tell children. We ask them to like suppress their emotions and they don't know what to do with them. They're right. not old enough to be able to control them. A lot of adults aren't able to control them. Mm-hmm. And so what we need to do better, I think, as, as educators in general, is that we need to help children be able to talk about their emotions mm-hmm. and talk about why they feel the way they feel and mm-hmm. telling them that it's okay to cry or it's okay to be angry or it's okay right. to be frustrated because right. it is because we were created with Those these Those just emotions. happen. That's, they're that's, natural. You know, yes. They're, they're built in. Yeah. And so trying to control that situation by just saying, stop, doesn't help. And it also just encourages the kids to hold everything in until they Mm -hmm. will get to the point where they just explode with it. Like there's just, yeah.
1: And so, so we want to help them become calm. We want to show them that we care, that we care about their emotions um, that we you know want them to help understand and be able to articulate their, their emotions. Mm-hmm. And then the third step after they're calm, after they know we care about them, is to right. coach them on the appropriate behavior. Right. And so giving them alternatives, be like, okay, I know you're frustrated that Miss Susie was moving on with the lesson and you didn't get to complete your craft. Instead right. of what you said, you can ask Miss Susie to take the supplies home. You can say, "Can I please finish my craft?" Mm-hmm. And giving kids an opportunity to to do that over, right. and so you know, walking them back into Miss Susie and be like, "Okay, you know, now now this is your chance to ask Miss Susie if you can finish your craft. This is your chance right. to do whatever." And so, giving them an opportunity to to do that over with Mm -hmm. the new positive behavior that we want them to do. So we're explaining it, we're modeling it, and then they get a chance to actually do it as well. That way they're learning what that new behavior should be. Um, And we can definitely, you know, if if the situation calls for it, wrap an apology in there as well. Mm -hmm. But we know a lot of times whenever we force kids to apologize after misbehavior, they don't know what they're apologizing for. They don't mean that.
0: And some will refuse to do it. and yes. And that can be really, really hard, especially for the child that wants the apology mm-hmm. because you can't force children to apologize. Right. and And so then they're not receiving the apology and they're seeing you do that fight, that tug of war. And so, so sometimes you, you just do the best that you can do. Right.
1: And that's why too, like modeling that appropriate behavior and giving them those alternatives for that do over Mm -hmm. that way. Next time we don't even get to this point where we need the apology because on the front end, Mm -hmm. we know the language, we know the action, we know what to do next time differently. Mm -hmm. Um. And so that calm, care, and then coach them on what the appropriate options or actions would be instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, that's from the Recharting Kids Institute on their trauma-informed children's right. ministry that I think is just very useful, mm-hmm. very easy to remember right. um, for teachers to to remember what those steps should be, right. um, and utilizing that. In that very heated moment where a lot of times, again, our first step is going to be to calm ourselves down right. and to not meet that anger with anger, right. but to calm ourselves, right. calm the child care and coach.
0: Right. And we, we kind of started off the conversation with talking about being realistic in our expectations for our classrooms when we're looking at Sunday school, Bible study, you know, choir times, these times where we have them for just an hour a week. Um, When we have kids that have these challenges, when they have these big emotions, when they are learning how to deal, it's really hard to help them understand these lessons in the short amount of time that we have them. Mm -hmm. It's not like a classroom teacher at school Mm -hmm. where we have them for eight hours a day, five days a week to be able to work and to help them understand. We have a very limited amount of time. Mm -hmm. And so what we are looking for is that more so than necessarily behavior modification? Because, like I said, you know, it's it's that's that's going to be hard to do uh, for right. a long term. But what we're looking for is for them to know that church is a safe place for them to mm-hmm. be with people who care about them, yes. where they can have fun, but where they can learn the word of God and where they can learn about respecting others and loving our neighbors and all of the things that come with that. We want them to want to be there. We want them to want to come back. You know, they don't have to come to church like they have to go to school. And Mm -hmm. so I think that when we look at these opportunities that we have to build relationships with kids, no matter Mm -hmm. what they might be feeling or the reactions that they might be having, Mm -hmm. but really try to look at it as, you know, building relationships. I think it makes such a big difference in how we look at how we manage our classrooms.
1: Amen.
0: And I think as we think about our kids and personalities and looking at them as individuals and wanting to encourage them in in who they are and what God created them to be, that the, the next thing that is really important for us to think through are the pros and cons of reward systems and how we are sometimes structuring our classroom based on rewards and why that might work and why it might not work. I feel like that Virginia and I have both had a lot of years to process through our feelings on <laughs> this particular subject. And we would like to share why we have found that reward systems have not always been super effective for us in a classroom.
1: Yes. And so we we had this whole sidebar conversation before <laughs> officially recording this about talking about kind of where and why we've landed where we've landed On reward systems, treasure boxes, prize closets, all that kind of thing. Um, Because you're right. And there's, you know, a lot of different opinions. And so we're just Mm going to share ours. Um, You can feel free to agree or disagree. So (laughs) this is just where we've landed. So
0: right, right. Well, one of the things that you really want to think about when you're thinking about doing a reward system in a classroom is you have to think about the kids that you have, but you also have to think about the message that you're trying to teach them. We want to make sure that kids understand in church is that God loves them and God accepts them for who they are. And a lot of times when we have rewards planned for behavior, what we're doing is we're focusing on what they do more so than who they are. But we are also giving this hidden message that if you work really hard and do what's right, you're always going to receive a reward that you want. And is that the message that we're wanting to teach to our kids? Do we want them to believe that good behavior is just based on whether or not there is a reward that you're wanting to receive?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, and it's like, you know it makes me think one of the book of job you know mm-hmm. i mean we do see scripturally where he you know was arguably doing everything right and went through a lot of hardship and trials um and then also you know Valerie and i were talking about this like i don't we don't even really do reward systems like with our kids at home mm-hmm. as a family because i don't necessarily want to appeal to um like the selfishness in my children, if that right. makes sense. Right. Um. I I don't want them doing the right thing because they'll get what they want. I want to focus on building character,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so for me, and for our family, and even in our ministry, for us, those reward systems aren't the most direct path to building. The character that we want to see, whenever we are appealing to those, you know, desires to get what I want, to get the prize, to get the candy, to get in the treasure right. box, whatever it is. Right. Um, right. And so that's become over the years. And I am a former treasure box person. I am too. I had a treasure. It was a shoebox that I spray painted gold <laughs> and I glued a bunch of gems, little plastic gems all over it. Mm-hmm. And I carried that to several different churches over the years. And so, yeah. but I just kind of over time became less comfortable with it, started having more questions and really started evaluating right. just like what you're saying. what What are the messages that I'm sending? Right. You know, are these the messages I want to send? And, you know, how, how can I do this differently? Or do I want to do this?
0: So. Right. Well, and I, I mentioned earlier in this episode, I was, I, you know, started off my ministry as a classroom teacher in a, in a school. And obviously, you know, we often had the treasure boxes and the reward system and the sticker charts and all of those kinds of things. And over the years, not only did I do the research, research shows over and over again, research has shown that rewards backfire that that is not the best way to teach a child long-term the behavior that you're trying to teach and to reinforce. But also one of the things that I've seen over the years is that like, for example, let's take the, the two big things that I'm thinking of is one is the treasure boxes. If you think about your treasure mm-hmm. box, there is only so much time that your kids are going to be interested in small bouncy balls or little plastic toys And just to be practical, you cannot continue to make those treasure boxes more exciting and more interesting because it's just going to cost you more money to be able to do that. (laughs) And we know when we have a classroom of 10, 15, 20 kids, we can't continue to fill treasure boxes with more expensive items. So Mm -hmm. just practicality speaking. The kids are going to get bored with it and they do get tired of it. And so that's why for me, treasure boxes just became something that was so ineffective in the classroom that I preferred to find other ways to be able to help kids understand their responsibilities. So one of the things in my classrooms that I started doing is to look at the bigger opportunities to help encourage classrooms to work together and to encourage one another and support one another. So I, in the classroom settings, I tended to start working towards larger goals, things that the group could do together. Say we would have free time in the classroom, or we might have a pizza party at the end of the week, or we might have extended recess time. It was bigger items, things that they were receiving because of the work that they did together as a group to try to, you know, to try to encourage them and to support them. Because I I know a lot of teachers will say, well, I want to reward good behavior. And we do. Having these small toy awards or treasure box awards just tend to, over time, not reinforce the message that we're wanting to send to the kids
1: hmm You know, and I think even, you know, even in churches, we can do once a semester or once a quarter or whatever, um, you know, like, like what you're saying, a donut party or a pizza party or whatever for our kids, um, for, you know, not just their individual behaviors, but teamwork, right. working together as a group right. and that sort of thing. And so, and, you know, one, one thing about, um, like sticker charts, you are, you know, tracking attendance and behavior, and bringing your Bible and memorizing the verses and all those kind of things. Long term sticker charts or other things, and again, obviously, we want kids to be at church. We want them right. to bring their Bible. We right. want them to memorize the verses. Like, I'm not saying those are bad things, and and they're not things that we don't want to reinforce because we right. do. Right. I just remember whenever I was in third grade and we were learning to memorize our multiplication tables at school. Right. right. Memorization is not my strong suit. It never has been. And I remember that I got like so far behind on my sticker chart Mm -hmm. with memorizing that early on that. Even later into the process, anytime I would get a star to go put on my chart for memorizing the multiplication tables, just I would always still feel so embarrassed because my little sticker chart looked pitiful to where after that, like I didn't... Like, I didn't want to succeed to get a star, to have to walk there with everyone else and have everyone else look at my little sticker chart with my poor little, like, few pitiful stickers. And so, you know, I just remember, like, I remember that vividly, you know, from third grade, that Mm -hmm. very unintentionally that became just a point of embarrassment for me, even whenever I did quote unquote well and got a sticker. Right. um, I still was just so embarrassed of my little sticker chart. And Mm -hmm. I know that wasn't that teacher's intention at all. No. But I just remember that's how I felt as a child who was very far behind everyone else. Right. So, Well, and
0: I think that teachers do that because they think, okay, this is going to encourage the child to want to do better, but actually what it's doing is it's shaming a child who is struggling. Mm -hmm. And so I think that when we look at those, and I still, when I go in and visit churches often, we'll still see those sticker charts in classrooms in a church setting that have attendance and bringing your Bible and bringing a tithe and those kinds of things. I'll still see those occasionally. And my heart is that all of those things that we're measuring with the stickers when the kids come into the classroom are things that the kids don't really have control over. Mm -hmm. Being at church is not always the child's decision to to come or to not come. Bringing their Bible is not always something that they can remember or be in a situation to have, because what if they stay at a different parent's house for the weekend and they don't have their Bible with them or bringing a tithe. Maybe the parents can't afford to tithe. And so they can't give them money to bring. So, mm-hmm. or, or to bring items for the food bank or whatever you're charting, you know, and, and having the child's name, you're basically just posting up there for the world to see when they aren't able to measure up to others. And to me, the benefits for those who do bring every single week are not enough to mm-hmm. to make it worth causing so much pain with the children who can't make those stickers happen on a chart, mm-hmm. or to visitors that come in for the first time that don't know the the expectations and that its mm-hmm. name isn't on the chart. So I think that um, we just really have to start processing the things that we're doing in the classroom for reward systems. The things that we are are doing to try to encourage this positive behavior. Are there ways that we can do that? that aren't going to intrinsically embarrass or cause pain to a child if they don't follow through on. Because again, what did we say before we want church to be a place that they want to come, that they're excited mm-hmm. about being there. And we want it to be a positive experience for them. Mm-hmm. And so we just need to think through, why are we doing this particular thing in our mm-hmm. class?
1: Because really ultimately the rewards aren't going to be what draws them Back. It's going to be a relationship, which right. we've already touched on. It's mm-hmm. going to be feeling loved, feeling cared about, knowing that that these people love me and want me here and they value me. And so, right. so that relationship is what's going to draw children back and make right. them want to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the rewards may be, you know, a nice – perk or whatever, but it's not, it's not going to be the heart of what brings them back. Cause that's true for us adults too. I mean, would we really want to go to a church where, you know, they give away a hundred dollar Amazon card every month, but we don't feel like anyone cares about us. Right. You know, is that really going to be enough of a draw for us to keep, you know, coming back? And so it's those relationships that make us want to be a part of a community as an adult. And so, so fostering those relationships, um, you know, us showing kids that we care about them and then helping kids get connected to each other. You know, I think that's going to be the draw so much Mm -hmm. more than, than any sort of, you know, reward that we can come up with.
0: Right. Right. And so I think it's something that you have to consider. It's, it's something that you have to really think through and decide you know, the big picture. What are you in your ministry really wanting to share? What are you wanting to teach? How are you wanting to get that message across? But now also just to make sure that everyone understands where we're standing on it too, is that every classroom is different. Every child is different. What parents might request for their children could be different. And so there is never just one answer for how you do anything in a classroom. There are always things that you have to think about with the community that you're working with to help Mm -hmm. you make those decisions. And, you know, we, we don't
1: share any of this or share our opinion in any sort of way to make any of you feel ashamed or embarrassed if you do have the treasure boxes and you do Mm -hmm. have this sticker systems. Cause again, we have done all of this ourselves. Right. Um, we just want to share our perspective um, why we've landed, where we've landed kind of on these questions, um, how we've thought through things. So this isn't to shame anyone or or anything like that or to tell you what you're doing in your classroom is wrong because you're right, Val. And and even, and we've talked about this before, how from one year to the next, mm-hmm. what one group of kids needs or benefits from right. may be totally different than the kids you have you know, next year or the kids you had last year. And right. so... Um, you know, being aware, um, sensitive, you know, using your whole toolbox of tools right, right. for this particular child or for this particular group of children, right. um, on what's going to be best in your context at this moment. So, right.
0: and I think that's what we're really just encouraging you to do is is to to think through your processes, Mm -hmm. think through why you've chosen to do the things that you've chosen to do, to be intentional and to be thoughtful and make sure that you're looking at your big picture and what you want to Mm -hmm. accomplish. And again, in certain seasons with certain kids in certain situations, that might be completely appropriate and needed. You have to have that confidence that God has placed you in your position for such a time as this, and that mm. you have been given the wisdom to make decisions on how best to help your classroom be as positive and encouraging of a place as it can be. Amen. On the other side of that discussion, when you're thinking about, are you going to use reward systems in your classroom? We also have to think about what kind of discipline methods we are going to use in our classrooms.
1: Because discipline, that word discipline has the same root word as disciple because discipline and punishment are different. Ultimately, what we want to do in our rooms, in our ministries, and personally in my family, we want to discipline. We want to teach. And so whatever response we have to misbehavior, we want it to be a teaching opportunity, a learning opportunity for the child. That way, our focus isn't on being punitive. It's not on punishment, but it is on teaching, on learning, on developing character, on developing our skill set. Um, that's why I love that calm care coach method because it ends in coach. It ends in coaching them up to respond in an appropriate way, to handle those emotions in an appropriate way in the future and giving them examples and tools on how to do that. And so, so whenever we're thinking through our discipline strategies, you know, what are we doing, how are we responding and why are we responding in that way? What, what, what are we trying to accomplish through our discipline and our response to misbehavior?
0: Right. And we mentioned earlier that power struggles never end well for the teacher. And I think that so many times when we do come up with a discipline response in that way, we are trying to maintain or gain some sort of control Mm -hmm. that ultimately we may not be able to have. Mm -hmm. And so often I will see teachers that will try to think of something that they think that the child is going to think is horrible. Mm -hmm. And they think if we threaten with this particular thing, then the child is going to, to change what they are doing currently and follow, you know, what I'm asking them to do. But typically, when you have a child, when you get to that point, mm-hmm. they are going to want to challenge you on that.
1: So, so many your times blast.
0: they are. So when you say things like, you know, Jimmy, I'm going to go get your mother. If you don't stop whatever it is, you're trying to stop it running in the classroom. Like you mentioned before, I'm going mm-hmm. to, to go get your mother. You have to think through you know, how realistic is it going to be for you to be able to follow through on that threat? And so many teachers will say to me, oh, well, I'm never going to have to go get his mother because he's going to not, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily work. Or if you're going to yeah. say things like you're not going to get to go outside with us when we go to the playground or you're, you know, these, these threats that mm-hmm. we use that we think are going to somehow encourage them typically will not if you've gotten to that point. Mm -hmm. And so then you're losing not only how much the child trusts the words that you're speaking, but you're also putting yourself in a really negative position when Mm -hmm. you can't follow through on something that you've said. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really, really important that you never threaten with a consequence that is not realistic or beneficial for you to follow through on. Mm -hmm. And are you really going to get his mom just for running in the classroom? You 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 want, you know, anytime you do give a, a consequence, it has to be equal to the activity that's happening. And so you have to really think through. And so having these other tools like the calm, the care the coach, the other things that you're going to have in your toolbox to be able to respond to negative behavior is it's going to help you so much more than coming up with these negative consequences that you want to threaten with that you think are going to work that really never, hardly ever work.
1: Right. Because when Jimmy is running around the room, his motivation to run around the room has nothing to do with the prize box. Right. It has nothing to do with the reward system. Right. And so if we could even go all the way back to the start of this topic If he's running around the room, it's maybe because he's bored or Mm -hmm. because he's attention seeking or, you know, for some other thing. And so Mm -hmm. if we can get at the root of the behavior, if he's running around the room, because he's bored and he doesn't have anything else to do, if we can get at the root and give him something constructive to do, then we resolve that behavior without ever even having to resort to discipline. Right. And so it's, it's thinking through, you know, how do we get to the root of it? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and it's like a weed, you know, you yank the weed out by the root (laughs) instead of just, you know, chopping off the, you know, the top of it, the flowers or whatever. Right. Um, And so whatever we can do to get at the heart of those behaviors, we're going to see so much more effective fruit from that. Mm -hmm. Because. Again, we're we're not in the business of behavior modification. We're in the business can't of heart be. change. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit ultimately is the one who changes kids' hearts. Right. But through our care and our relationship and our investment in kids, we can touch their hearts as well. And we right. can have an effect on their hearts that then's gonna spill out and just naturally come out in their behavior.
0: Right. Oh, for and sure. so
1: We want our discipline to be instructive. We want it to be a a part of our discipleship of our kids. Mm -hmm. Um, and we want to get just at the root of what's going on with those behaviors. And so, so, you know, in in the start of this conversation, we shared a lot of those things just proactively that help us address some of those root issues. Right before it even becomes an issue of the student right. engagement and the making our expectations clear and, and all those things. And so, right. so whatever we can do to get to the root of it and the heart of it and to still build effective relationships with kids, mm-hmm. we're going to see long-term fruit from that. right
0: so. And I think a lot of that does come to with the realization of the amount of time that we have, because if I'm mm-hmm. going to get into a power struggle, and I'm going to try to do these outward things that I've said that I'm going to do, you know, to try to threaten. I only have an hour to teach my Bible lesson. Yeah. And that disruption is going to keep the other kids from being able to process and to learn and to think. And so I think that we have to really look at what's going to be most beneficial to our entire group for that mm-hmm. hour, mm-hmm. you know, and how can we facilitate that and help that become the focus of the classroom as opposed to having this power struggle with the the child. And I think a lot of that comes back to when we do tend to threaten with parents, or I'm going to talk to your mom, or you try to contact parents um, during that class time, Mm -hmm. if you are trying to figure out how you're going to corner that parent after the class to talk about their child's behavior, again... We're focusing on the negative Mm -hmm. in that correction. Mm
1: -hmm. And so I
0: think you really have to work with your children's minister, your preschool minister, the people who are in charge of the program to really talk about what other options do you have if it does get to that level where you need help, where Mm -hmm. you go to your next person Mm -hmm. in the leadership step before you go to that parent. Because mm-hmm. so often I think about the kids that that do tend to be the greater challenges. If they are a challenge at church, they are typically a challenge at home. Yes. And what we are doing and is we are school. providing yeah. right and at school. And so we're providing the parents this opportunity for just an hour a week to be able to go into their own class and enjoy their own Bible study. Mm-hmm. And we have that ability to be able to work with their child and hopefully not have to constantly bring them back into the situation. I know there are always times where you might have to have a conversation with a parent over an extreme behavior. And you do want Mm -hmm. to keep them informed in what's happening and make sure that you're aware Mm -hmm. of what Mm -hmm. might be causing Mm -hmm. things to happen. But if you were just week after week after week telling a mom when they come to pick up just how Mm -hmm. terrible the class went, That is just going to be more detrimental to the family than if you can find a way to work with your leadership Mm -hmm. to address it in a way that's going to be beneficial to the family and to the child in the classroom. And so that takes time. And again, it's not something you want to deal with in a reactive way because you're frustrated. Mm -hmm. You never Mm -hmm. want to start a conversation with a parent when you're frustrated because that never ends well. So you really want to seek that guidance from your leadership to figure Mm -hmm. out what would be the next step and what can you do next. And then as the children's minister, as the preschool minister, you do want to work with the parent to find Mm -hmm. a way to make this situation better without just having to constantly, you know, go to them saying, this is not a good (laughs) day. This did not work well. This, you know, it, it can't just be that constant negative mm-hmm. message that you're giving to the parent week after week after week.
1: And, and, you know, I'll say this. So as, as a preschool director, cause I've had, I've had a couple times where teachers have texted parents from the classroom mm-hmm. and then I see a parent coming in and I have no idea. I'm like, Oh, are you picking up Jimmy early? You guys, you know, heading out of town. They're like, no, the teacher texted me. I'm like, uh, what? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. one of the things that I tell my teachers is I say, you know, if you're having an issue Tell me first, right? Make it my problem. Don't make it the parent's problem. And then if it's something that I can't handle, then we'll get the parents. Right. Um, and so that's one of the things that I tell my teachers is you always come to me first whenever mm-hmm. you're having an issue and let me work to resolve it. Yeah. And then if there is something that parents do need to be made aware of, I always say, look, like, let me initiate that conversation with mom and dad, just because mm-hmm. I've had a lot of experience having some of these like conversations. Right. And so, right. I you know, I'll say, you know, we will invite you into that right. conversation but let me get that going let right. me initiate take that the emotion out of
0: the situation yes
1: and let me yeah. frame it in the way that we want it to be presented to mom and dad and then let me initiate those conversations um, because it can be hard whenever you know a, in in the moment in a classroom setting a well-meaning volunteer just like what you're saying maybe says something or, you know, does whatever in frustration right and then kind of having to un- unravel that from the back end right. can be difficult right. um, because we want, we do, we want our parents to feel like their kids are both safe and loved in our care. Right. Um, and I know what it's like confession time. I know what it's like to be that parent. Oh yeah. At preschool pickup. Where, you know, two, three times a week, you know, it just seems like all I ever get are just negative report after negative right. report after negative report right. and,
0: and how that does, um, you know, it does. Yeah. It, it's, it's hard. And so often parents are getting it from school and now they're getting it when they walk into church. church. And yes. so we, And we don't want church to be a negative place. We want it to be positive and affirming and encouraging.
1: And and because, too, I feel like as a parent, what you want to know is that this teacher doesn't only see the negative about your child, but that they see and value the positive mm-hmm. and see and value who they are as people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, going beyond just communicating that to children, but communicating that to parents as well and and proactively communicating that to parents. Even with kids who their behaviors fine, right. but just making a point to share with parents what we love and appreciate about their kids because mm-hmm. then parents have that reassurance like okay, my child is safe and loved and valued here because we don't ever want parents to question, Ooh, I don't think my kid's teacher likes them. Right. You know, right. Um, You know, we, we want parents to know that we love and value their children for who they are and that we see beyond their behavior Right. You know, we see who they are as
0: people. Right. And so we have to to be mindful of that. Mm -hmm. And parents can be wonderful resources. Mm -hmm. Parents can help you learn the things that their child is interested in, the activities that they like to do, the games that they like to play. Um, even talking. Sometimes I've even had the opportunity to get parents permission to talk with classroom teachers, especially mm-hmm. if I have a child yes. that has special needs. And so that mm-hmm. way I can find out from the classroom teacher mm-hmm. what are some effective mm-hmm. things that you found that works with this child. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they can be wonderful resources. So I'm not saying that we never speak to them. I think right. we just have to be very mindful in the way that mm-hmm. we do speak to them and mm-hmm. how often we do, mm-hmm. and how we want to look at our ministry. And how we want to accept all children, no matter their situations or their challenges, but how we can try to meet their needs and meet their families' needs, because that's what we're called to do. And so we're not saying that you never have to have those conversations. Right. We're just saying that you just, again, need to be very intentional and mindful when it comes mm-hmm. to those conversations. And every situation mm-hmm. is unique and mm-hmm. every situation is a little different. So you can't just go in exactly the same way every time. But again, the relationships are key. Mm -hmm.
1: And and that's why we have the Holy Spirit to guide those conversations, too, because pretty much every time before a hard conversation, I'm always like, oh, Lord, (laughs) please give me wisdom. Jesus, like (laughs) take my tongue and lips and just like communicate this well and just say, you know, communicate to this family what they need to hear and help this to be,
0: you know, a productive conversation for the well-being of this child. Right. And I think that you, you hit on something that I think is key for all of this is prayer. Mm-hmm. I think we need to pray Even. about our policies and our procedures. We need to pray about our classrooms and how they're managed and how we handle situations. I think we need to pray for our children individually, because I'm telling you, once you start praying for that child, that's a challenge. You see that child differently because you are praying for them and, and the Holy Spirit is intervening and it makes yeah. a huge difference. And so often yeah. we let our emotions get away with us and we don't think about prayer and taking time in prayer and really thinking through, you know, even if you, you don't necessarily have to have that conversation with a parent the minute after Sunday school or Bible yeah. study. Mm -hmm. you can pray on it and then have that conversation later in the week. You don't have Mm -hmm. to feel like you have to be reactive Mm -hmm. to absolutely everything. You have the opportunity to be able to slow down and take a breath and really think about, you know, the situation in Mm -hmm. the calmest clearest way that you possibly can. Amen. And I think thinking about parents and their reaction and how they feel about things, we have to be very mindful that we are not talking about individual children's behavior Mm -hmm. in a public setting. So that Mm -hmm. means that I am not going to talk about what's happened or the behavior with every teacher on the hallway, with every other parent that comes into the hall I'm not going to make this a topic, a conversation with other leaders in the church, unless Mm -hmm. it's something that I need specific counsel on. And then I'm Mm -hmm. going to make sure that it's understood to be confidential because one of the worst things that can happen is if parents find out that you're talking about their children with other people. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I think you want to build a culture within your ministry that teachers understand that they only speak about these situations in certain circumstances and with certain boundaries so that we're very careful to respect the privacy of kids and the situations that happen within a normal classroom time. Well, there's definitely a lot of different things to talk about when you talk about classroom management and a lot of things Mm -hmm. to consider and a lot of things to really spend time in prayer and discussion and development to try to make your programs as successful as possible. And Dr. Virginia and I just hope that through our conversation last week and this week that you were able to pull some little nuggets of inspiration and hopefully something helpful that will be able to just assist you as you plan your ministry and as you work on your policies. We just thank you so much for joining us this week. And we just ask that you would let us know if you have any comments or questions, anything that we can address on a future episode. We would love to know where you are and what you need. We ask that you would like and subscribe, that you would check us out on YouTube and Podbean and Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That you would check us out on Instagram and Pinterest. We just appreciate you so much. We love this community that we're building and we appreciate you being a part of it. We hope you have a wonderful week and we will talk to you again soon. Bye bye. Mm-hmm.